We're back with the Daily American. Just want to thank all the listeners around the world, especially everyone that has tuned in. You know, season two just kicked off. Tuned in to keep moving and keep shooting. This four-part special that we got featuring Mr. Clay Novak. Part two, Clay walked us through, you know, his military career. This guy's highly decorated, completely tabbed out. Four deployments under his belt. He's 37 years old. Clay, welcome back. Thanks, Dan. Yeah, it's uh, good to be back. It's amazing to put all that down, you know, in just a couple of episodes. And it's <laughs> and it's not even everything. Uh, I'm sure it's not, Clay. Kick us off uh, where we left off just after your fourth deployment. Yeah, so I, I'd just been an aide for a three-star general for a year, 13 months in Kabul. Uh, learned a lot. Wore me out physically, mentally, emotionally. Um, and, and came back to the States, went back to the 82nd for another eight or nine months. Um, you know, I hate to say a favor because I got told to do it, but, um, you know, my, a former boss was a division commander at the time. And, uh, he asked me to, the division itself was the headquarters was deploying to Afghanistan. So they leave a contingent behind the rear detachment. So I was the chief of staff for the division for, uh, the rear detachment of the division for about eight or nine months, um, which was not an easy thing to do. Um, but anyway, so I was getting ready to go take command of a heavy cavalry squadron down in Fort Bliss, Texas, uh, which was on tap to deploy. So that was my fifth. I was staring my fifth in the face. Um, picked the family up in April uh, of 2012 and, uh, and moved them down to El Paso. Uh, got down there. Um, had to go on uh, pre-deployment site survey. So I had to go to, back over to Afghanistan for like two weeks, <laughs> came home, um, took over my cavalry squadron, 213 Cav. Um, there was Sabres, what a, another great organization, good group of folks. And, uh, and then I turned around, I took an advisory team, 18-man advisory team to Afghanistan. And, and we spent six months advising an Afghan infantry brigade. So um, I was back third tour in Afghanistan. Even the Afghans laughed at me. They said I should own real estate over there. I'd been been over there so much. Um, but I advised an Afghan brigade commander for six months, m- me and my team, a uh, good group of folks as well. And then came back and then I spent, you know, the next 18 months commanding a, a heavy cavalry squadron that was, you know, trying to, we all knew that the, the war on terror was kind of winding down. It was getting smaller. Uh, so we were trying to figure out how to get back to conventional fighting. So we were that, that unit, that organization was trying to learn how to do reconnaissance all over again. That was the job of the, of the unit. That was the unit's mission, but nobody had done it in so long. So we were kind of starting from square one. Um, so I spent the rest, you know, the rest of my time there to, to 2014 and then picked up and I went out to the national training center, uh, in, uh, Fort Irwin, California out in the middle of the desert. It's the world's largest cul-de-sac. Death Valley. Death Valley. And it's hot out there. Uh, but my job out there, I, I commanded a, a team of 54 officers and NCOs uh, who evaluated units. It was kind of everybody's last stop before they went on a combat deployment. Um, so we were out there evaluating units before they went you know, back to Iraq or, or into Afghanistan. And, uh, and it was awesome because it was all senior folks. Uh, it was all senior NCOs and, and officers who had been around the block a few times, captains and above. And, uh, and we got, I was back jumping out of planes again, which made me really happy. Um, 
I spent, I think, 10 years out of my 25 years jumping out of planes. Um, and, I, and I loved every minute of it. But uh, so I spent a year out there and then picked up and, and you know, moved east out to Carlisle Barracks. And that's, you know, the, my, my military career kind of culminated at that point uh, for a number of reasons. Uh, I, I discovered through, you know, some, some challenges that I've got uh, traumatic brain injury. Uh, again, I'm a, you know, I'm, I'm a, a guy spent out my whole life outside, let alone, you know, the five combat deployments and jumping out of planes and, you know, I'm an athlete, but, you know, I've banged myself up pretty good. Um, the army medical system determined that throughout the course of my life, I have about a dozen concussions. Um, there's enough, uh, you know, scar tissue there or, or residue from, from that damage that they could see it. Uh, through MRIs and some other things, um, determined that I had uh, complex PTSD, which is a little bit different than what people think about when it comes to PTSD. Um, you know, when people think about PTSD, they think about um, singular traumatic events or a series of, of traumatic events. Uh, complex PTSD is a little bit different. Uh, I spent so many days, months, weeks, years uh, under such high levels of stress that I actually burned my brain is the easiest way to explain it. Um, so, you know, at that point, you know, the army and I came to an agreement that I would retire, uh, which I did. Um, but I went through a lot of, uh, a lot of therapy, uh, which, you know, for a type A infantry full on kind of guy was, um, was a challenge accepting that I needed it was a challenge. Um, and then committing to it was also a challenge, but, uh, you know, there was a great group of ladies and I say ladies cause the entire behavioral health department at Carlisle barracks was women when I was there. Um, and I, and I knew all of them. Great, great group of ladies, um, really helped me out. Um, they guided me along the way. Um, my personal therapist, a lady named Abby, uh, was a uh, huge help to me. Um, her and, and the rest of the team there kind of helped me figure out what was going on in my head, both physiologically and, and psychologically. Uh, the traumatic brain injury coupled with, you know, the, the complex PTSD um, was, it was a cocktail that just, you know, it took us a while to, to, to figure out what was causing what. Um, and, you know, for me to really embrace the fact that, that it was an issue for me. Right. So I did three years of therapy, um, all the way up until the day I retired. And, uh, I even still, I'm, I still stay in contact with Abby, um, because it's not like PTSD goes away. You know, it's not like it, you know, you learn to manage it, um, but it never really leaves you. Um, so I have, you know, what I referred to as gray days, you know, someday that the, the clouds just come in and, and I don't necessarily know why, um, you know, things get gray in my head and, uh, and then, you know, for whatever reason that the clouds lift, sometimes it's an hour, sometimes it's a day. Um, but, but that feeling never really goes away. Um, so it's something that I know that I'm going to, you know, I'm going to deal with, you know, for the rest of my life, which is okay. Cause I'm aware of it. And I think that's probably the biggest challenge. You know, we've got so many veterans that suffer, um, or that, that deal with, with PTSD in some form or fashion, um, and, and, you know, embracing it, knowing it, understanding you have it, and then trying to deal with it is probably the, the biggest challenge. 
because so many of us are just that type A, like I'm strong. I'm, you know, I can do whatever I want to do. I'm 10 feet tall and bulletproof. Um, that to admit that you have something like that significant, something that significant, you know, wrong with you um, or impacting your life is hard to deal with for a lot of folks. Um, and I get it because I went through it. Um, but it's, uh, it's, you know, it changed me. Uh, the whole process changed me. And, and that's kind of, um, you know, the reason that you invited me on here is because I've, you know, I, I wrote this book. Um, and that, uh, the book itself was never intended to be a book. Um, it was a form of therapy. Uh, when I was leaving the army, I had a you know, bunch of folks that I talked to and they said, look, you know, everything that you've done and as long as you've served and, you know, the military itself, you've kept your brain at such a high level of, of stimulation for so long. You're never going to be able to replicate that when you leave the military. So you got to find something. You got to find some creative outlet to do that. And I'm not, I never considered myself a creative person. <laughs> like I can't paint. I can't, you know, um, but you know, the artistic ability, you don't think it's there. Yeah. I, I didn't think it was there, but a friend of mine said, look, you've always been a really good writer, you know, looking at correspondence stuff that I'd done in the army. Um, he said, you should try and write something. And then my best friend in the world is a TV writer. Um, and uh, he was very encouraging too. So I started just five minutes here, 10 minutes there. I just was writing stuff and I was just kind of piecing it together. And it turned into a book. I mean, it turned into a novel. It's not an autobiography. That's not what this is. It's a fiction adventure. Like if you like Jack Ryan, Jason Bourne, Jack Reacher kind of stuff, I mean, this is the kind of book for you. Um, uh, but but that's what it turned into. And it all started as a form of therapy just to help me transition out of the military, keep my brain engaged, um, keep myself stimulated and thinking um, as I kind of took into civilian life, which, you know, my friends weren't lying. It is definitely not the same. Um, you know, now I, I manage a, a, a $7 million branch in a pest control company, Western Pest Services. Shout out to all y'all. Um, but it's it's definitely not the same as the life that I had led for so many years. So the writing, you know, kind of on the sly, um, I was just doing it here and there when I got a chance. Um, and I never intended it to be anything except an outlet. And it just, you know, kind of grew into this book. And I got done with the book. And my dad, who really taught me to love reading, um, was the first person I gave it to. And, uh, and he read it and then I gave it to my buddy who was the TV writer and he read it, although a lot slower than my dad. And, uh, <laughs> and, uh, um, you know, my dad came back, he's typical, you know, blue collar, you know, Chicago guy. He's like, yeah, it's pretty good. You need a spell checker. You know, um, I wrote the book stream of consciousness. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I wrote it stream of consciousness. I wrote it with no outline whatsoever. And I just wrote and, and truthfully, I didn't even read it. I just wrote it and I got done with it and I sent it to him and uh, yeah, he's like, yeah, you need a spell checker. Um, and then my buddy read it. The, the guy who's a TV writer, Mick Betancourt. Um, he, uh, yeah, he thought it was pretty good. And then it sat like I literally, I was just very content with saying I wrote a book, didn't do anything with it, sat for a year or something like that. And then my buddy makes like, look, dude, People don't just write books and then just let them sit. He goes, it's a real book. It's a, it's a real thing. And it is. It's a 300-page book. Um, he's like, you got to do something with this. 
So I did. Um, I, I cleaned it up. I actually read it for the first time myself. Um, I did it. My dad was right. I needed a spell checker and a grammar check. Um, but I, I, I made a pass and I did some, either some editing and then I made another pass and I did some more editing. And then I, I looked into self-publishing, which is just a challenge in and of itself. It's, it's with cover designs and all those crazy things. Um, I, I found co-publishing as an option and I submitted it to a publisher and, and they got back to me right away and they were like, yeah, this is, this is real. This is a good, this is a good piece of work. We want to, we want to do, do something together and we'll get this thing co-published. Um, so that was, um, just really a couple of weeks ago. I, I mean, it was, you know, I think I submitted it maybe in February and, uh, I talked to him. My wife still didn't know that I'd written the book. She had no idea. Um, they sent me a contract and, uh, and I told my wife about the book. And the first thing she said was, it's not an autobiography, is it? I said, no, it's not. She said, okay, good. Um, but, uh, you know, I signed, I, I, Sign the contract, and I'm uh, moving forward with uh, with Kohler Books, who've been a great. John Kohler is the president. Um, I've talked to him, you know, I think three times now over you know Zoom meetings. Super great guy. Um, he's a Air Force brat. His dad was a fighter jock, um, but he's really a good good guy and a, and a good group of people. So I'm excited to be you know partnered with them to get this thing published. Do this. <clears throat> I can't, I mean, I'm I'm on the edge of my seat just hearing hearing about it. I mean, just hearing just hearing, you know, part of your story, Clay. It's it's kind of crazy. I mean, you've done everything in the military, super decorated, um, and then you got this book, this fictional book um, that I'm sure draws some parallels to to your real life, and it's going to be awesome. Keep moving, keep shooting. When is it going to be available? So pre-orders are going to be available in uh, August. Um, tentative date is the 22nd. That may shift a little bit, 22nd of August for pre-order. Um, but it will be available on bookshelves on the 22nd of November for sure. So right in time for Thanksgiving, you can buy it all for everybody you know for Christmas. Absolutely. Clay, what's your, what's your website? So, uh, website for the for me is uh, cnovacauthor.squarespace.com. I'm trying to figure all this stuff out, I'm launching it from the ground up. Um, you can find me on Facebook too. Uh, you can find me on Instagram, uh, also cnovacauthor, uh, and uh, I'm even on Twitter, same handle. I took a little note from my daughter and my wife who said you should make sure everything matches. So I made sure everything is cnovacauthor. Uh, and, uh, and you can even find me on LinkedIn if that's, if that's your deal. So, um, yeah, that's, you can find me all over the place. Awesome. All these will be in the episode notes. So you guys make sure you check out Mr. Clay Novak and especially definitely buy his book when it comes out. I'm definitely going to be helping him promote it a bit. And, uh, we're going to talk about that next episode, right? Absolutely. All right. Thousand percent. You guys stay tuned. Perfect timing, by the way, Clay. You guys stay tuned <laughs> next week, next Wednesday, 9 a.m. We're going to be wrapping up this this phenomenal story of just the, uh, you know, a, sm- a small town kid who did some big things. Clay, we appreciate you, and uh, we'll see you back here next week. See you, Dan.